Welcome to another edition of the Clock In Talk podcast, or the miserable bastard anti-Lacazette, anti-Gwendoosie podcast, because I listened to last week's, you miserable bastards. Um, joined this week by Tony, didn't think you were going to be on. What, you've had two hours sleep? Yeah, give or take. Um, not alcohol related, I just couldn't really sleep. Woke up about half five for I watched Conor McGregor fight, that lasted 40 seconds, that was fun, <laughs> and then I just couldn't get back to sleep um, until about nine o'clock. And then I woke up to do this because I'm so committed. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> uh, welcome and on to the other side of the uh, the English Channel. We've got Liam. Hi guys, thanks for having me back. Yeah, we're all, the three of us seem to be on all the time. <laughs> Although I do remember the last time it got a little bit heated. Uh, have you bought your crystal ball this week, Tony? Always here. <laughs> I've so, my popcorn. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're meant to be referee, Liam. So uh, let's get cracking. I mean, is it fair to say that uh, after another uh, week where, made, where 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 Tottenham dropped points, Chelsea dropped points, it's it's uh, another missed opportunity for us this week, Tony? Yeah, we just never seem to capitalise. It's like you. We don't seem to really be getting any further away from anyone, despite how few points we're picking up. But that's the time, obviously, as I said, you need to capitalise. You, you look around, like I watched the early kickoff uh, a pub near the Emirates, saw Tottenham draw, probably lucky to get a draw, and thought, brilliant, we, we win today, and obviously we get a lot closer to Sheffield United, we gain an extra two points on Tottenham, and we just don't. And then it goes on that Chelsea lose, so we end up not losing points on anyone but we just don't take the chance. There's not going to be many weeks where everyone keeps dropping points. Especially with the fact that United are going to Liverpool this afternoon. Uh, we're recording this on a Sunday morning. Uh, yeah, they go to Liverpool, so you wouldn't expect them to get too much. This was a perfect opportunity. Home to Sheffield United. Um, we've got a few injury problems, but Liam, sort of disappointing, really, just generally. Yeah, more than just a bit disappointing. I think we actually would have gone level with Tottenham uh, for points. I think we'd have been within... Is it something like three or four points of Man United who are in fifth and was it not that much further along at Chelsea and we've got them on Tuesday. We really could have closed the gap. But it seems to be the story of the season. We could have closed the gap by so many points, but we're just not. I know uh, we, we've, we've got questions on VAR and obviously there was a big incident in our game yesterday. But uh, I, I, you know my feelings on VAR, but I've always liked goal line technology and that's sort of a real black and white decision. And wasn't it fun to see? T- I actually had watched match of the day right to the very end this morning because I wanted to see that Tottenham one. Did you see that one that they, 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 they did? Well, it wasn't a goal. It was a centimetre uh, from not crossing the line. It was fun though. Eh? Did you see that one? Is, is that the tightest decision ever given? I don't know if they mentioned it in the punditry. It was like, yeah, again, that you can't argue with goal line technology because it's black and white. And I, do you know what? I, I, as I said, I watched the game live in the pub and I knew the ball was close, but I didn't think it was anywhere near over. And then when they put the camera on it, I was like, Jesus, like that, it, it's, you've got to say it's more luck than judgment from a defender. He's kicked it as soon as he can and he's, it's a centimetre. But yeah, it's, it, the only thing that's annoying is Tottenham don't seem to have been as annoyed about it as I'd like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that makes it a lot more fun when they start crying that technology's well, against them, as we're about to do. Yeah, I've got to say, but Mourinho at the end was just in Mourinho mode, wasn't it? That's five games. Well, I turned, uh, so because I'd seen it and it was last on match of the day, I didn't, I just turned match of the day off before their game started. And obviously, because I, as soon as the game finished live, I walked to the Emirates. So I didn't see, I've not seen or heard any after game. It so if you did in- start- 
He was in Mourinho mode. He's gone back. He's won one in five. It was the referee's decision. They should have had a player sent off. There was definite handball. You know, he was he was full Mourinho mode. No one's at fault except him. Uh, except, you know, no one's at fault. Everyone's everyone's at fault except him. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get back to the Emirates yesterday. Um, the the teams we as we always start on this podcast with the team selection. Um, three enforced changes. Um, Socrates coming in for. I'm oh, sorry, Mustafi coming in for Socrates. Uh, Saka having to play on the left back, left full back for Kalazanac. And um, what was the other one? We had uh, Aubameyang obviously is uh, out, so Martinelli took his place. Uh, Liam, you saw that formation. What what were your thoughts? Um, I think it was more or less what I expected. I mean, besides Socrates being out, which I don't think anybody did. Um, Mustafi coming in is probably shows just how unfit holding is at the moment. He thinks he's still got quite a way to go. So I don't really know what else he could do. Um, pretty much what I expected, I think, really. Tony? Yeah, um, as Liam said, I, I didn't know anything about uh, Socrates potentially being injured or ill or whatever was wrong with him. So... That was the only surprise when I saw the lineup. Um, but obviously, given he was ill or injured, whatever's wrong with him, I still don't know. Then, I mean, yeah, apparently uh, the the story is that he was he was ill on the day, so it's not an injury; it was illness. Um, Liam touched on that. I thought that was the the real strange point is that he did play Mustafi ahead of holding. Um, neither of them have played much football. I think they said on the TV that that was Mustafi's second start this season. So you know, they've not, neither of them played much football, but. He's holding going backwards. Arteta's now watched him for well, the best part of a month, I guess, he's been in charge. Are we concerned that he's he's not progressing? It's difficult because against Leeds, he was so bad. He was horrendous. And is that fitness? Is it a lack of match sharpness? Any of the, if it's either of them things, you can't play him in a Premier League game against, let's be honest, a good Sheffield United side. They're not entertaining, but they're very organised. And... You look at that game and, and Mustafi didn't play. I'm not even sure if he was on the bench. I don't think he was. So you'd say at that point, Holding was ahead of him. But that performance, it just makes you think he's not ready to play. And they they kept him out for a month with a bruised knee. You, you're not out for a month with a bruised knee. So there's either he's had a re, not a reoccurrence, obviously, but he's had another injury that they're not talking about, or they just can see how rank unfit he is, because it was like. That the last injury he had, it was sort of like back in two days for for over a month, and they just kept saying he's injured, he's injured, he's injured. So he's just he's. I don't think he's gone back. Well, his performances have been worse, so in that sense, you could say he's gone backwards. But I just think he's nowhere near fit, like not even close. And you say the same with Hector; they got injured about the same time, and and neither of them have been able to play since. Yeah, I think holding was was he a month before Bellerin, I think. Uh, yeah, it was close, close enough, you're right. It was, it was very close. I mean, Liam, it was nice to see Bellerin back on the bench as well, but uh, um, I guess we were looking for an easier game and he may have got 10-15 minutes at the end. Yeah, potentially if we go a few goals up, maybe he gets those minutes. I was a bit surprised to see him and holding on the bench, if I'm honest. I didn't think either of them were fit enough. Um, but yeah, if you're a few goals up or you're against a a supposedly weaker opposition, maybe they do get those minutes, but what's the point in risking them when you're only a goal up? Yeah, and I don't think there was very much choice. You know, Maida Niles and Bellerin are our two choices on that side, really. Jane was now being out, uh, and you know, we, we were we, you know, all of our central defenders are gone, aren't they? So that's, uh, I think they had to be on the bench. I don't think there's much, much choice, was there? Um, the game started, I got in about 
three minutes late. It was huge queues outside the Emirates yesterday. Strange, three o'clock kickoff on a Saturday afternoon. Lovely traditional time. But uh, it, it took a long time to get in yesterday. A uh, big fight in the queue where I was queuing up to get in. Uh, Arsenal fans are, never cease to amaze me uh, how bad we can be sometimes. Big punch up for the second week running in the queue as we're trying to get in the ground. Um, I get in and we're under the cosh. The guy sitting next to me says we've been under the cosh from the start. And the next 10 minutes, Tony, we were just battered. You know, they didn't create many clear-cut chances, but we just couldn't get our foot on the ball. I think uh, it's been the story of, of a lot of the time under Arteta. One of the, the reasons I stand by saying we're better is because we're not giving up chances. The problem is it seems like every chance anyone makes against us, we concede. But, yeah, we just can't, couldn't seem to get our foot on the ball and keep it. And I don't know what the reason was for that. But it just seemed, it didn't, I don't know, it didn't seem like they were doing much to win it back. It sort of felt like we were giving it back and then they were... I said they weren't really creating anything or really doing anything, but it was just wave after wave of them doing nothing. Yeah. Um, so t- we 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 survived that first ten minutes. I mean, I sort of tend to agree with you in that I think Emery didn't care having shots against us from outside the area, but it was so many shots. We were we we conceded so many chances that eventually one of them's going to go in. Uh, and yesterday. You know, we seemed to funnel them out to the wings and everything was just crosses in. And we did deal with most things quite well, although there was a couple of free headers. Uh, but we, you know, we've, we, I guess under Arteta, Liam, we've, we've, we're not conceding as many as we were. No, I think that's kind of what he's fixated on first. He's looked at the defence and gone, right, this is what we need to do to at least get results. Um, because going forward, we don't seem to have any real idea of what we want to do, uh, get on the ball and create and move. It's, it, it's very, it's almost too structured in a way, the way it comes across to me at least. So we structured the defence so that we're not giving up the chances, we're not conceding so many that gives us a fighting chance. So I'm, I'm hopeful, and this might be hope more than expectation, that towards uh, as the games go on, that we'll start looking like we can attack again. I mean, uh, maybe this is not the time to to talk about it, but I know you know. I mean, Arteta was a for me a strange appointment for Arsenal at such an important uh, stage of our history, where we've we've had to sack a manager mid season. Uh, we're we're mid table. It's a very strange um, outlook on us at the moment, and to take a, a manager on with with no experience whatsoever was always, I thought, a bit of a risk. Now, I'm an Arsenal fan and you know I've got nothing against Arteta and I really hope he he does well and I hope he's the manager for the next five years and we're all really happy. But we're, we're, we're all saying, we've all, I keep hearing how excited we are and we're seeing things are different and we can see a plan. It is a results business and he's been in charge for five games now and we've, we've won one and we've got six points from five games. Um, I think f- I looked at the, the stats. Freddie had... Um, five games and I think got five points uh, and Emery's last five games got six points uh, there's 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 no bump there is there Tony we're I know you know we can we can say that we can see a little bit more structure and we are seeing us defend a little bit better but yesterday I was watching that game thinking if this was Emery the only difference would be the crowd would be absolutely against them rather there in this instance the crowd was still quite supportive um, I think yesterday probably was the most Emery-like of the performances. As I said, I still felt we're solid at the back. I think on the the five points, uh, six points in six, six points in five games. Sorry, I mean he has had 
Chelsea United, and then although we're going to disregard Sheffield United as a top team, they are. They're, I think they're sixth. Um, so his fixtures have been harder than well, what the well, other. Guys. One of them was away at Blackburn, a Bournemouth, sorry, who were in free fall. Yeah, uh, and it was the other one, um, Crystal Palace away against a team that was decimated by injuries. You know, it's a. It, I mean, I, I agree. You know, we played well against Manchester United, but when we played Chelsea, they'd only won one in their last five, I think, when we played them. So it, I know the the names are big, but we played a terrible Manchester United side, which we beat. We lost at home to Chelsea and were played off of the park in the second half. Um, you know, away at Bournemouth, who who can't do anything at the moment. We we you know we only managed to get a point there. I, yeah, well, Liam. Well, yeah, I mean, but you can't. The, the names are, are bigger than the performances the teams put in. But I mean, if you just look at, if you add up the, the positions in the league table of the five games Arteta has had and the five games Lundberg had and the five games Emery had, then there there would be a lot lower in the league and in in Arteta. So I know we can say that Chelsea aren't great, Man United definitely aren't great, but they the fact is he has had harder games. I'm not saying six points is enough, but as I said, I'm starting to see things. We've been moaning about not really being able to defend for years and conceding too many goals. I think Chelsea are the only team that scored two against us. And as I said, obviously, I personally feel we were robbed. Um, it's not. It was never going to be a quick fix. And I'm seeing improvement. And that's all I can ask for. I, I always said this until the end of the summer is... Sorry, the end of the season until the summer is him getting it right and getting in what he wants and realising what players can work to his system and what players can't. Yeah, I'm not going to change on that after five games, especially five games when I can see changes already. I can see what he's trying to implement. And it, it's not perfect at the moment, but it is five games. And until last week, it was almost no training sessions or they were training on the day of games, which is unheard of. But they had to because they had no other time. So Liam, I mean, I tend to, you know, I don't want to make any rash um, uh, statements on Arteta now. It really is early, and as with Emery, you've got to give him a transfer window or two or three. So he, this isn't his side now. You know, whether it's a good enough side, maybe we should be doing better. But it, the, those statistics, you know, uh, there's no bump, is there? It's very been very flat between the the three managers. Are you concerned at all? Um. I'm concerned in the short term, but I'm not also worried that much about the league anymore. I think it's, I think it's just being used at the moment as a as a test run. Almost, I'm more worried about the Europa League because I see that as the competition we might be able to get uh, back into European football. But if we um, do, if we do, I mean, and uh, you know, I sort of feel I keep looking at that league table and thinking we're still not that far behind. Put on a run of five wins, and suddenly it's 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 there. You know, we can get in the top four. But I also look at these performances and think, do we really want to get in the Champions League next year? I mean, I know it attracts players. I know financially it's good for us. But would a year without European football actually suit us next year? From a playing perspective, quite possibly, but you have got to think about the money because you need to start getting the money in so that you can keep building. We might get slaughtered in the Champions League next season, but at least we'll be there and then we can be there the next season and continue to build and build and build. I think that's what I would see as the benefit of being in the Champions League more than the money. Okay, just uh, as we go on to the game yesterday, let's have a look at it in a bit more detail. Uh, just to just to uh, fill in those statistics, I also look back at Arsene Wenger's last five games in charge, uh, nine points. <laughs> just 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 saying. Yeah. Uh, 
the uh, so nothing much happened in that first half. We got back for ten minutes. We slowly got back into the game, and a uh, um, couple of uh, good sweeping moves forward, uh, culminating in just before half time. Great little move, Lacazette. Great reverse passing. Um, good little touch. Nice deflected little crossover, and Martinelli uh, there to finish home. Tony. I don't think you can really say much more that he gets in the right areas. He, he obviously we've seen Aubameyang play from the left and, and take up all the central positions and get in the da- in the dangerous areas. And, and Martinelli done exactly that. You see it as the type of goal Aubameyang scores. Um, nice move, got players forward, stretched them a bit. No one picked Martinelli up at all. It's, it's strange because with their three centre backs, they tended to know that if that George Bulldog stayed wide with whoever went wide and, and then one of the three centre-backs would pick up Martinelli. But that whole move, he was just ghosting about. He was on his own at the edge of the area when Lacazette played the, the ball to Saka. And then obviously he's tapped it in in the six-yard box on his own. They just didn't pick him up at all. Yeah, uh, uh, um, Liam, I, 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 you know, I watched Martinelli quite closely and in that first half. He actually wasn't having his best game, I thought. You know, his, his touch was a little off and he gave the ball away a few times. But his movement just is, is, is unstoppable. He just keeps moving and moving and moving. Quite often would swap with Pepe, whether Pepe liked it or not. Often drifted into the middle. We've got a bit of a gem there, haven't we? Oh, yeah, definitely. I, th- I think the most pleasing thing for me about the goal is he, he had a couple of chances uh, quite early on as well, and he snatched at both of them. Um, now, this one he can't really snatch at, but he, he continues to try and put himself in the right places. He, he didn't sort of lose any confidence in any way. He still thought, right, well, the next chance I'll score, and he gets himself in the place that he puts himself in that position where he can score, and that's the hallmark of a, of a top, top player. So it's a real good time to score for us. We're... Uh... Uh, happy we come out start playing well and we dominated the second half without really creating too much is that fair Tony? Yeah and I, I think that's the problem we was we was a lot better in the second half than we was in the first in my opinion but you, as you said you go in the first half and you think Martinelli had two half chances aside from the goal I, I don't think I'd expect him to score either of them but you can say they were the sort of chances we made you look in the second half and I, don't, I can't remember a shot on target or not one that has half a chance of going in. I, I don't count these shots where the keeper can have a fag in time to walk over and pick the ball up. But I don't remember a proper shot on target. And yeah. that that is where the problem lies. Um, first moment of contention, um, 68 minutes. I know there's questions on VAR later. Uh, do you want to take the VAR bit now? Yeah, I mean, got to cover it. I mean... I saw a post of yours last night, I think, Tony, or a message you put on the group last night saying that you thought it was a penalty and a mate of yours just in front of you didn't think it was a penalty. Is that is that right? Did I Yeah, I mean I was I was incensed. Like I, I just I thought it's so obvious from and I know you're see you're closer to it, but I'm looking straight at it, it's almost straight in line with me. And I just thought, it's clear. I I can't see why not and then obviously you know the VAR check and it's not been given and I thought okay I must have seen it wrong and then obviously I've got back and because I sent that message on the the WhatsApp group before I'd seen the video right. so I was trying to explain my position without seeing it like just what I'd seen live um, and obviously I'd seen my friend after the game and he said he didn't think it was um, and then I sent him he's obviously seen the video since and he now thinks it was um, I don't know. Obviously, what was your view from your seat? Well, I am really close to that. That's 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 right on the corner where I am. I I was amazed. You know, we don't always see eye to eye, Tony. 
but it was almost exactly the same. I saw that, and for a start, it's a penalty. You know, in real time, it's a penalty. How that fucking Mike Dean, how do we keep getting him to referee us? How he doesn't see that as a penalty. But I'm screaming penalty, and when it goes to VAR, I'm shouting to everyone around me, it's a penalty, definitely stonewall penalty, and no one seemed around me seemed as convinced as I was. I thought it was so clear. And when I have seen it again on the TV, nothing's changed my mind. Um, nonsense of a commentator. I think it was on the Arsenal.com this morning uh, where they got two two opinions. And one of the commentators and that was saying, well, another defender got over there to clear the ball so he wouldn't have got to the ball. What the fuck's that got to do with it? The fella's through, he's running at goal and he gets taken out. Stonewall penalty. Liam, did you? what was your view on it? No, he's beaten both players all ends up. He's been taken out. I, I said in real time as well, watching on the TV, that it was a penalty. My girlfriend, who... It doesn't watch all a lot of football. Even she thought it was a penalty and wasn't quite sure how it wasn't. And then I thought, well, the game's going on now, so we're not going to get it. And I think the ball goes out for throwing. So I thought, oh, perfect. So we, we're actually going to get this penalty then in that case. And they looked at it for about 15, 20 seconds. It, was, Liam, and it, wasn't, it, it couldn't have even been that because I agree 100% when it went out that throw. And again, that's down my side. I'm exactly thinking, right, at least the, the game stopped. We'll have a look. The referee will stand there. He'll put his hand to his ear. He'll tell everyone to shut up for a minute. But it was, it was seconds, it seemed like, uh, and they just dismissed that. Amazing decision. The, the only, yeah, the only defence I can offer to that is it was a few... Look, I think it's wrong. So I'm kind of half-man devil's advocate. But um, it was a few seconds before the ball went out. So I can only assume that they were checking it while the ball was in play. And then by the time the game stopped, they basically said to Mike Dean, we've already checked it, play on. It's the wrong decision. So I'm not defending <laughs> yeah. the decision, but that's the only thing I can assume is why it was so quick. VAR that was just strange. But it? it's the only possible reason I, I think that that can only be looked at for the what would be, if, it, if they only started looking at it when the ball went out of play, it was less than five seconds. No, no, I, 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 I understand. I agree. They were, they were checking it um, straight on. But... But uh, you know, if if we didn't have VAR, we'd all be calling Mike Dean a cunt. Uh, now we've got VAR, we're calling Mike Dean a cunt and somebody else a cunt. Tell me how it's improved football. <laughs> Tell me how. Uh, you can't you can't defend it when things like that. No. Uh, just after that, um, we we make a substitution. I'll tell you, it doesn't make a lot of changes, does it? It's another thing that we're, we're getting used to. We saw Emery come in and was making these tactical switches at, uh, at half-time because he'd fucked up in the first half. We can say that now because at the time we weren't sure if he was tactically really astute or he was just crap at getting it right from the start. But uh, Arteta seems very uh, reticent to make changes. Is that is that fair? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he feels he doesn't have the players. I, I don't know if you'd have seen it because obviously you're the other side. He had Willock stripped to come on, then he Gendouzi. changed his mind, then he had Gwenduzi stripped to come on, and then he changed his mind. Um, this this is later on in the game, but I don't know if it's just he, he doesn't really trust the players, so he's sort of like, I feel like I should do something, but I don't really know what, and then ends up either not doing anything or doing something he doesn't really want to do. Yeah, the Gwenduzi one was, uh, was they scored while he was standing there waiting to come on. I think Arteta at that time wanted to put some fresh legs in, didn't he? And he wanted to tighten it up a bit. Uh, and and they scored while he was waiting to come on, and that's that, I think that's why he changed that one. But the substitution he did make, um, Liam, at seventy four minutes, was uh, Lacazette went off uh, and Katia came on, uh, just fresh legs. Is that all it was? Lacazette had worked his nuts off. I think possibly, but also Sheffield United were starting to get a little bit more of the ball. So rather than having Lacazette drop deep and having it pinched off him for the umpteenth time in the game, 
he'd wanted someone who's going to play more on the shoulder, and that's exactly what Eddie did from the start. He, he was a live wire, just trying to run in behind. Uh, it didn't come to much effect, apart from I think his first touch, but he did get into the box. But I think that was the thinking behind it. And then uh, 82 minutes, Tony. Uh, it all goes wrong again. We let in a late goal. Yeah, I, I've not seen. I've seen the goal back. I've not seen this part of it back. But I felt like we got a throw on. And as you said, Guendouzi was ready to come on. And I don't know if he would have come on then, but we took the throw on so quick regardless. And you saw them all game. And, and especially like my side of pitch, George Baldock was stealing 10 yards. Knowing full well the ref was going to send him back. But it was just a waste time kind of thing. No, get back. Oh, OK. And then he'd move back five. So he's gained five yards anyway. And then he'd take the throw on. Oh, so we get the ball. We're leading. There's eight minutes to go. We're kind of under a bit of pressure. And we throw it back in straight away. And it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> and then we lose it too quickly. And, and but you can't blame that for the goal. I'm not saying, I think it was Maitland-Niles that takes take the throw. I just assume it was because it was in the right back area. And I'm not saying it's his fault we conceded. But you, like, just manage the game better. Like, Yeah, and then there's a lot that goes on between. Ball bounces around everywhere. I'm still not really sure if it deflected or not. Or Obviously, Flex kicked it into the ground, but I don't know if it's deflected or not. It's gone in. And it just seems like, at the moment, every time we give up a chance... As I said earlier, it goes in. Palace, we were never under really threat. They got a huge deflection and it goes in. I don't think they had another shot apart from that. Again, yesterday, I don't think they had what you'd say is a chance where you think, oh shit, when they're about to head it or kick it. But again... Tony, you've been going to to the Emirates for a long time. uh, And under successive managers, maybe not so much in the last year or two, but... You know, we've had the the issue where we've been camped in the opposition half for the last 20 minutes, trying to break them down. It's happened so much in, in the history of, of the last decade where we're camped in and we're trying to find that clever little killer ball and we've got defences stacked. Uh, and yet we don't seem to be able to put that pressure on at the moment. We don't seem to be able to camp in other teams' half, control the football. We always seem when 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 Sheffield scored yesterday, I thought they looked more likely to to nick another one rather than us get one back. Yeah, I think before it was always wave after wave of attack, which causes a lot of pressure because the other team can't get out and and whatnot. And at the moment, it is more like it's one attack, and it, you may score, you may not, but it's not wave after wave. It's not succession like of attacks, or you get three or four corners in a row, and then you get it might get cleared, but you're coming back again and again. It just it, it doesn't seem like that. Um, and I think that it's a lot easier to deal with one attack than it is three or four or five attacks in a row because the concentration from the defender is easy. You deal with it once and it's sort of done. So that's that's the game. Liam, have I missed anything out there? Is there, is there anything in that game that, that, that we should talk about that's not going to be covered in the questions? No, I think Sheffield United had one other late chance that was well blocked from memory, but my stream was pretty crap by then. So... I can't really recall anything else. There was, there was a double block after, I think, Mustafi played a horrendous pass, which is probably the only thing he done wrong yesterday. Um, and then there was, I don't even know who the double block was. Um, I think it was Louise and Maitland-Niles, but I could be wrong. It wasn't on the highlights. So. Something I'd just like to mention there, you just reminded me, when their goal that they scored, and I know this is modern football, and I know a lot of players do it, but I just think it's wrong, is when, I think it's Maitland-Niles, goes, runs out to close down the cross, or the shot. He runs out with his arms behind his back, so he doesn't get done for handball. And yet, because of that, he doesn't run as quick as he can, because he's got his hands behind his back. He doesn't run with any balance. So when he blocks, he looks awkward. 
Uh, and I know, you know, I've been watching football a long time, and I know this is now because of the stupid offside uh, handball rules, but surely you just run out of that and you make a block, you know, and if it hits your end, you know, and you're giving away a penalty. But it just, am I am I seeing that too wrong? Am I just too old-fashioned in my, my view here? Uh, I think it's one of them you can't win. Um, if he If he has his hands out so he can run out quicker, then if it hits his hands, oh, you know you can't do that. You know they're going to give a penalty away. I think whatever one of them situations happened, you're going to say he should have done the other. Not you personally, but no. people are going to say he should have done the other one. Also, I think if he sprints out at full, full speed, it's very easy for the guy to knock the ball past him because if you're going in the direction at full speed, one touch and, and the defender's fucked. Yeah, I just just felt that watching it again and again this morning, he just isn't in the position to block the ball because you can't run when you're with your hands. No, no, I, back, I, I you agree know? with you. But as I said, I think it's just one of them. Whatever one causes you to damage, if the guy hits that and, and Maitland-Niles gets out a bit quicker but his arms are out and it hits his arm, you, you go, what an idiot. You know that's a penalty sort of thing. Yeah. Okay, well, let's uh, move on to our 3-2-1. For those of you who haven't listened to this podcast before, we talk about who our favourite player was on the day, our man of the match. We give them three points, two points to our second, one point to our third. I would like to say that, you know, because we do this podcast, and I knew I was on today, you watch the game slightly differently thinking about your 3-2-1. I found this the most difficult match so far this year to decide who was good. Not because everyone was shit and not because everyone was great, but there was no real style to me and no one played, you know, terribly badly. Um, Liam, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say exactly the same thing. Everyone was so bang average, it's pretty difficult to pick. Have you done um, your opinions, Liam? Sorry, obviously I only got up 10 minutes before we started recording. So, No, I haven't got around to it just yet. I was going to do it a bit later this afternoon. Yeah, well, no, good luck to you on that hey. one. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be tough. So, go on, we'll start with you, Liam. So, who, who, um, uh, who are you going to give your three points to? Um, I think I'm going to give it to Pepe. Um, I thought when we did go forward, I thought he was the, more, the, uh, the most dangerous threat going forward. So, And I also feel quite sorry for him not getting the penalty, which he really should have got. Um, so, it's probably slightly biased on my part. But, yeah, I think I'll give it to Pepe. Tony? Um, Saka didn't wasn't troubled defensively. Obviously, playing out of position, uh, got forward well, offered us an outlet at all times, drove at their defenders, got the assist. Maybe a little bit lucky, but it was one of our best attacking moments. What I will say is, people are moaning about potentially signing a left back, and Saka is only fit for seventy minutes at left back at the moment. He was absolutely fucked after seventy yesterday, and we had no change. There was no one else that could play there. So, uh, I. Uh, I can't believe people are moaning when they're watching that. It's not his level of performance, but he played. He was fucked after 70, and then is he going to be ready on Tuesday? And if he is, you'd say he's probably going to be fucked at half-time or after 60. We, we do need someone that can play left-back. It's properly. difficult, though, not isn't it? I think, I think it's a question of how it's difficult because, you know, if you're, you're signing someone, we've got two good left-backs in our, in our side. You know, Kalazanek has been really good since he's, uh, since he's been forced into action. And we've got a 25 million signing who's, you know, looking desperately injury-prone. So it is a real tough decision. Does the club invest money on a, on a you know, somebody with a five-year contract? It's very difficult to get find someone who's who can just fill in that spot for for three months, isn't it? But if the if the links are to be believed with with Kazawa, then they've obviously identified that he either doesn't like Tierney or more assumingly Kalasanac anyway, because you wouldn't look if if that was the case. So 
although it does look very short term, we only need someone for three months. I think it would probably signal the end of, I assume, Kolasinac. And I agree with you. I think since Arteta has been in, he's been very good. But he and he has run through walls. You know, he has played with injuries as well, isn't he? I, I like that. Um, a good shout on Saka. I don't think Saka's going to make my first three, but he was certainly one of those that I, when I was watching the game yesterday, I thought he, he you know, we're, 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 we're building him up because he did really well in a position that he's, he's, you know, he's not his forte. So good shout on Saka. I know you'll both criticise me for this, but I'm going to give my three points to uh, Lacazette. I find it incredible the amount of stick he's getting from the fans now. He has become the new Xhaka of the club. And this is a, a, a game of opinions. We've all got opinions on players. And I just think that it's gone so far the, the other way on Lacazette, who is employed fundamentally as a goal scorer and he is not scoring goals. He's in a terrible run of form in front of goal. But what I've seen in the last three or four games is incredible work ethic, great work rate. And I thought yesterday it was his incisive ball in about the first 15 minutes minutes when he put Pepe through. It was a great reverse pass um, that that put Pepe through. Did the same for the goal, his his ball that went to Ozil, that went to Saka. So you don't get assists for that. But it was his uh, dropping deep, picking up the ball. And Liam, you said uh, just now gave the ball away for the umpteenth time. I've just checked his stats while we were looking. He only touched the ball 17 times, not very much for 75 minutes and 13 successful passes. So I don't think four is umpteen. And I know everyone's got a down or a Lacazette, but I think you have a, need to have a good hard look at yourself. Don't turn him into the next Jacker. He's working his nuts off and the goals will come. He may not be a Bamiyang. He may not be the best player at the club at the moment, but I think he deserves our support. And if you heard the evasion that he got when he walked off the pitch yesterday, you know there's a lot of people that, that that will appreciate that work that he put in. That's my three points. Uh, Liam, your two? Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go for... I'm stuck between two, so I won't give away who my one is, but I'll go. my two will be for Saka, I think. Pretty much the same reasons as Tony mentioned. I thought he was did an outstanding job at, at left-back. He, he does get forward. He does offer that outlet as you go forward. Um I don't think he's as threatening going forward as when he pl- actually plays as a left winger, but he does his defensive duties really, really well. Yeah, good shout. T- uh, Tony, number two two for you? Torreira. I uh, just think he nicked the ball back a few times, uh, won a few crucial tackles, got up and down, bit of energy, played simple, which is what it might look boring. I don't know what his pass completion rate was, but it might look boring that he gets the higher percentages, but... He plays a simple pass, and, and for me, that's what I want from a defensive midfielder. Win the ball and give it to someone else that can, that can pass the ball better. I'm not saying he was excellent. I don't think anyone was excellent, but no. I thought he's done, he done his job pretty well. 52 out of 62, his pass completion was yesterday. So pretty pretty good. Was that 80% plus? Uh, yeah, good. Another good shout. Another player I considered. My two's going to go um, where Liam had. I'm going to go for Pepe. I thought, um, I just like watching him. I think he's turning into a really unlucky player. I mean, last week at Palace, could have scored the winner and the keeper pulls off a worldie just to touch it onto the post. Uh, Everything he does, he just looks exciting. We were talking about it in the crowd yesterday. Um, You know, I just, somebody was complaining about it and I said, we used to have Walcott there, you know, and at least we've got a player now that wants the ball and tries his tricks and he's exciting to watch. Uh, Somebody you pay your money to watch. So he gets my two points. Liam, who are you going to give your one to? Uh, Tony stole my thunder a little bit so Tez is going to accuse me of uh, being up his arse again 
Um, but Miles Torreira, um, I thought especially late on, actually, he, he nicked ahead and, and intercepted a few balls. Have you got his interception stats there? So I thought he nicked quite a few. Um, but also uh, just put himself about and he, he broke up every Sheffield United attack towards the end up until their goal anyway. I thought he was superb. Yeah, no, I haven't got those stats. Um, but yeah, and uh, Tony, your one point? I don't know. Um <laughs> I thought Xhaka had a half-decent game. I yeah. thought Louise organised well. I thought our defence... Sorry, we didn't mention this earlier. Our defensive system was weird. The, especially at goal kicks, Xhaka went into sort of the left centre-back and Louise went into the holding midfield, but only for goal kicks. Yeah. I don't, I'd love to know the reason why. I'm not criticising it. I just... It didn't really seem to... I, I can't see why they were doing it. Um, I, I'll probably go Pepe again just because I thought all the threatening things that happened sort of came through him except the goal obviously we mentioned when he crossed to Martinelli he also slipped Martinelli in for his other chance he should have had the penalty and when you're talking that we had two or three chances in the game you can list the three that he made I guess you've kind of got to have him in the 3-2-1 again I don't think he played brilliantly but all of the moments that we looked like we might do something he was heavily involved yeah um, all, all good shouts I mean I've got in my list of, of potentials Terreri you've mentioned Jacker. you mentioned I thought Andy Maitland-Niles had a really good game as well um, you know, not perfect, not brilliant, but again, worked really hard, and uh, and he's really doing his best to keep that that position for himself. Uh, I'm gonna and Mustafi. We haven't mentioned Mustafi. I thought, apart from somebody said to me yesterday about Mustafi, and I've, it's, it's quite a common thing with me. I like, I love watching Mustafi for 88 minutes a game. You know, because for 88 minutes he gives his everything, he throws everything into it, but for two minutes a game he makes a fuck up, and he nearly did the same yesterday. Uh, so honourable mention to him, but I'm going to give my one point to Martinelli. Um, I can't believe he hasn't really been mentioned. He, he worked really hard. Uh, he scored the goal. He, he he's different, different gravy. Really lucky to have a good eighteen-year-old who looks like a natural goal scorer. So whoever's collating these, I'll give my one point to uh, Martinelli. All right, that was quite easier than I thought this week. So do we um, do we get onto the questions? Anything else we missed on the game? Uh, not that I can think of. Yeah, uh, questions. I don't think we've got any questions on the WhatsApp group this week, did we? And no. So that must mean it's Twitter. Tony, have you got these, or shall I do them? Or oh, I'll do them. I've just got yeah. them. Up. Fantastic. Good. So questions. Thanks everyone for sending your questions. You can send in these questions to us at Clockend underscore Talk. Uh, uh, and there's also a WhatsApp group. So if you want to get on the WhatsApp group, how do they get on the WhatsApp group, Tony? Uh, DM Tez, who's the judge, jury, and executioner. Okay. <laughs> no, DM Clock and Talk, and Tez will then be judge, jury, and executioner. Okay. Um. So yeah. Uh, shall I get cracking? Yeah, go on. Uh, were you surprised about Arteta's comments regarding Ainsley Maitland Niles and Saka not being fullbacks and playing out of position? I had the impression that's the position he saw Ainsley playing long term. Liam. Um, not really surprised if I'm honest because Saka is a left winger really and Maitland-Niles I think because he plays this inverted fullback type position he seems a lot happier being able to drop into central midfield so maybe that is where uh, Arteta does see him so no I can't say I'm really surprised if I'm honest I mean certainly on the on the Saka one I agree um, was Arteta at the club when Ainsley Maitland-Niles was, was breaking through Tony would you remember that? Uh, I don't think he'd made a first-team appearance when Arteta was there, but he'd been at a club since he was, like, a fetus, so he would yeah, have been at a club. I just wonder if, 
I wonder if that's where Arteta's seen it. Is it Arteta, Arteta has seen him as a, as a central midfielder coming through in the under-18s, under-23s or whatever he was playing at at the time. Uh, and, you know, fundamentally it's not his position. He's making it his own, but he certainly is not his position. What do you think, Tony? Yeah, I mean, look, I think I called before Arteta came that I expected to see Ainsley play there. I, I did. I, I thought the statement was a bit weird because, again, I agree with the question that I, I think long term he sees Ainsley there. And I, I still, and I've said this every week on here, I, I can't see Hector getting his place back ahead of if if the Ainsley we're seeing at the moment carries on. I, I can't see any way Hector gets his place back. So I did find that statement a bit strange, but I don't know if he's just going down the route of highlighting that we have got a lot of injuries and we're having to do things that maybe people wouldn't have expected us to do in terms of obviously playing two young guys at fullback, neither of which by trade are, are fullback. I don't see it as particularly a moan. I think it is just highlighting that what's going on. We are bare bones. As I said, you look at the bench yesterday and you think, who's going to change the game? And you look at it and go, well, no one, really. And I think he was just highlighting that. But yeah, I thought it was a bit of a strange statement. Yeah. Um, Vishad, should Lacazette simp- uh, I think he means simplify his game by not having 100 million touches of the ball and playing so fucking deep. Every time we counted, Laka was nowhere near the opposition penalty box. Been waiting patiently for three years to him to hit form and gain, gain confidence. I'll let you two have a little. I've, I've said my piece on Lacazette. I think it's this question um, typifies the feeling out there. Uh, I think his skill is to drop deep, to pick the ball up, to, to transition the play. We've, we're really missing that. We're having to play out from the back because if we kick the ball long, it just comes straight back at us. And I think Lacazette is working really hard to, to link. And when he's got runners either side of him, like Martinelli and um, and uh, uh, whether it's uh, Yang or whether as it was yesterday with, you know, I, I just think he's doing a really good job and I just think everyone's on his back at the moment. Liam? Uh, I'm quite happy to leave this to Tony, actually. I know you had a few... Uh sayings in the whatsapp group if you wanted to take it yeah i mean i I think the exact opposite of darren which is not really unsurprising um i I think that everyone's pandering to lacazette so much because they like him they expecting everyone else to do two or three jobs to cover for him like yesterday he that you're right that ball he'd done like he held it up spun and played pepe in behind great ball but you're relying on the wingers to get in the box even even the goal you've got a winger getting in the box people moan we're not scoring enough and it's because our strikers just not in the box ever. I mean, I'd imagine, I don't. I said this yesterday, I'd imagine he had zero touches of the ball in the box, didn't have a shot on target. And then the people going, oh, but the wingers didn't score. But hang on, you're, you're nine. Your primary job is to get goals. And he's never, and I've said this the whole time he's been at Arsenal, if anyone wants to listen back to probably our first ever podcast, he doesn't get himself in the box enough. There was, there was one time, well, there was loads of times yesterday, but one that stuck in my head. I, it was nil-nil at the time. Pepe went down the right, and his cross was awful. It went out for a goal kick, like straight out, sailing into the upper tier. But had the ball gone into the box, there was still no one there because Martinelli was wide left waiting for the ball to be spun in behind. Lacazette standing on the halfway line. So even if he is in there, it's, it's hard enough. It has to be a perfect cross because we've not got the midfielders getting in the box. And I think that's where a lot of the criticism of Ozil was come, coming from, and, and I, I can't argue with that. But Lacazette, just by doing stuff that someone else should be doing and we don't need him doing it's absolutely killing our chances of scoring and look one or two moves did come from him but you can't have especially with Aubameyang out even more so look the, the way he plays you can argue when Aubameyang's there okay you know Aubameyang's going to get in and get the goals when you've got the team you have yesterday 
he has to take responsibility for, for someone that can score the goals. Because it's all well and good turning and playing someone in wide, but then you give Pepe the ball wide and he's got to beat three players and then slot it in the top corner. That's the only way we're going to score. Or someone else has to cover Lacazette's position. So you've got then Martinelli, an 18-year-old, who's playing left wing and also as a fox-in-the-box predator. So Lacazette can come out and make the pass, three passes before we score. I think people are just pandering him because they like him. And look, yeah, he's likeable. And, and you're right about the reception. Got a very good reception when he went off. But I don't think that was anywhere near reflective of performance. And for me, he does work hard, but that's, that's not enough. Like, if I want someone to work hard, I'll put a defensive midfielder at, 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 as a striker. I think that's basically what Emery tried to do with Torreira. He played, picked up the same positions that Lacazette's picking up now. I think I would be like a bit like Swin and be a, a bit on the fence with this one because I can see it from both points of view. He isn't scoring goals, and at the end of the day, he, he is the striker and he has to be getting on the score sheet at some point. I think was it Arteta himself who described him as, or was it Socrates actually described him as monstrous on the training pitch and scores goals for fun or something along those lines. Um, but why isn't he doing it in matches? Is it potentially instruction? And he's doing, as Darren says, with his hold-up play and his link-up play, uh, dropping very deep. And, and at times he does do it very well, but is he doing it enough? And I, I think he's causing us a real headache at the problem. I, I don't quite know how we play effectively with him in the side at the moment. That's where I'm leaning to. Yeah, that, that's where I'm coming from. I, I'm, I'm not doubting his ability as a player, but I think the way he plays is causing us more problems and benefits it's given us. I'll move on to the next question. Um, Vishad again. Would we have fared better had we changed to a five-man midfield by bringing on Sabayas or Willock when we subbed Lacquer in order to control the middle of the park and progress the ball up the pitch? Uh, I, do, I will say that... Uh, I, I think one thing we can do in this side, we're, we're, we're trying to fit. We've got a real good front line. You know, um, obviously Aubameyang wasn't there yesterday, but with Aubameyang, Lacazette, uh, Martinelli, uh, Nelson, uh, Saka, you know, there's, there's a real uh, depth of, of attacking quality there. Strange that we're not scoring goals, uh, and and strange that we all said Pepe was was in our top three, and and yet we're we're really struggling to find the target. But I think one of the things we're trying to do is to shoehorn three in sometimes, you know, three attacking players, and maybe that is. I thought yesterday we haven't mentioned Mesut Ozil at all in this um, in this uh, podcast so far, and that's kind of fascinating, isn't it? Our, our our star player had a fairly okay game yesterday. I thought he was involved quite a lot. He kept the ball very well. He passed quite well without being exceptional at anything uh, but I thought yesterday there was a shout to take one of those attacking players off and actually bring Ceballos on with half an hour to go to try and un- unpick it and, and create a, uh, and create a, a more chances because we, we, we just didn't create anything there was a lack of creativity there what do you think Liam? Yeah I I agree with the lack of creativity but I also would have taken Ozil off and probably switch to as did you say as Vishad who asked, asked the question um, says move to the well, maybe not a five man but a three man midfield with the single pivot and play I'd have put Sabios on personally um, I think that would have given us a bit more structure and a bit more ability to progress the ball up the pitch to um, Martinelli and, and Pepe on the wings but then you do need a striker so I wouldn't have taken Lacquer off necessarily four or five man midfield, but I would have brought on Sabayos to have the extra man um, somewhere in there so that you've got 
a bit more of an outlook from the centre of the pitch. Tony? Uh, I mean, I, I, I thought Ozil was pretty poor yesterday. He kept the ball neatly and, and that's, the, well, that's the bare minimum you'd expect from him. But there was a couple of chances he had to slide people in and he overhit the ball or, or it got cut out. Um, and I think a, a lot of our problems are, are coming from him and Lacazette taking up the same areas. And I think the problem would have remained had it been, had you bring Ceballos on and left Lacazette on the pitch, it would have been the same thing. It's so easy to, not so easy, but it's much easier to stop them when they're in the same sort of zone. I think most of our games, so under Arteta, Ozil's played, I don't want to say wide, but somewhere between the middle of the pitch and the right of the pitch. I think yesterday was really central where people would probably naturally say they prefer him, but I just felt it was just too easy to stop, stop them because there was a lot of players so close to each other. And especially with their back five, it, it just meant that Martinelli and Pepe were, were two against five, essentially. Um, I, I said to the guy sitting next to me during the game, I I was thinking about Ceballos and I, I thought, I don't know if you think we can't keep the ball, so bring him on. Or we can't keep the ball anyway, so what's the point in bringing him on? Because not, And I, and I mean that we haven't got the options to keep the ball. So if you bring him on, he's just going to be another person that has no options. I thought yesterday was probably the worst we played in terms of under under Arteta. You've seen whenever someone's got the ball, they've got two, three or four options. I felt like that wasn't really the case yesterday. So I, I was sitting in the stands, I'm in an R in about whether Ceballos was the right option. And to be honest, he didn't really warm up properly. Um, as in, I don't know if he knew either he's not fit or he just knew he had no chance coming on. But you saw other people... And I'm not done. not a comparison, but Eddie was warming up at a high intensity for a lot of the game, um, and where Willock, Gwendozi were warming up at a much higher intensity than Sabios. And I don't know, maybe knows he's not coming on. I don't know what it is, um, but sitting there behind watching them warm up, you kind of knew he was. You get a, a feeling of who's got half a chance of coming on, and, and you kind of knew he didn't. So. Uh... He brings on Eddie instead, instead of bringing on that either creative player or a, you know an extra pair of legs in in midfield. Uh, um, how did you rate Eddie's performance, Liam? Um, I thought he did okay. I thought he was a bit of a live wire in the sense that he he did a Martinelli in that he runs and runs and runs, and he tried to play on the large shoulder of Sheffield United's back three. I think it was. Um, and that caused him a couple of problems, but it wasn't really dangerous at the same time. That they had more to think about, but it wasn't that big a threat in the end. So I thought he did okay, given it's his first start back at the club. I think if he has more minutes under his belt, he might have done a bit better. Tony, what about you? What did you make of him? Um, I thought we brought the pace on to stretch the pitch, and then didn't try and stretch the pitch. It was a weird, and I don't think he done anything particularly right or wrong. He tried, and he. He's semi-exciting because, he, as you said, he runs about a lot. But I, I thought we kind of got it wrong. I, I expected when he came on, you leave him, Pepe and Martinelli, just as nuisances. And you get the likes of Louise and Xhaka, who can put a ball where you need it to be from 60 yards, 70 yards, to just sort of play in towards a corner flag, especially with Sheffield United chasing the game at that point. You'd expect them to come out a little bit so the space would be in behind. And you can you can just go in deep and look, if you overhill it, it goes out for a goal kick or, or a throw on to them deep in their own half. Neither of them is a problem. I, I kind of think we played a game that didn't really suit him. Um, and in that sense, it kind of seemed a weird sub. I said that the logic I thought I could see when we made it is not how we played. Mm. 
Next question, uh, keys to the kingdom. Clay, what does Lacquer have to do to get dropped? <laughs> well, I think we've done Lacazette to death. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm not going to keep arguing my case. I just think that we've got into our mindset. When you read through that, I, I'm also a member of uh, three other quite big Arsenal WhatsApp groups, which I flicked through last night. And that was the general thread, was the criticism of Lacazette. And I just think we've turned him into Xhaka. Xhaka, since he's come back into the side, we're all looking at Xhaka slightly differently. Some people will hate him forever. But there's a lot of people who I think are looking at their position on Xhaka. And, and you know, we're giving him a bit of praise now, understanding a little bit more of what he does in the side. Um, and Ganduzi was the new Jacker, and Ganduzi's not been in the side now for six weeks. So now all of the the hate is with Lacazette. And I know Tony, you've been you've not been a fan of his for a long time. And I've been fairly indifferent. I like him. I like hard working centre forwards. Um, it reminds me a lot of people like Alan Smith who we've had in the past who have just worked and worked, and they're unfashionable because they they do the the the, the dogged work to set up other people. And I thought yesterday was a really good example of of him doing of playing to his real strengths, where he he went back to pick up the ball because when you've got people like Pepe and Martinelli just running in the channels, you need someone to go and get it and feed it through. Urza was having a quiet game. We didn't have Sabias, so it was Lacazette who who took that mantle, took that reign, and put some balls through. I, you know, me giving him my man of the match was probably a little extreme, but I watched him work his nuts off for 75 minutes till he could hardly walk himself and went off to a standing ovation, and yet he still gets criticism. So I, I, I think you just need to have a look at Lacazette, try to step back, imagine him a new player, and, and look at what he does for the club. Uh, my answer is obviously very different. Uh, I drop him. I don't think you can drop him at the moment just because we don't have the options with Nelson and the Bamiang out. Um, I'm not going to say Eddie should start ahead of him because you lose a lot and there's no guarantee Eddie's going to get goals either. And I don't really want Eddie pinned up against a, a big centre-back for or two or three centre-backs. It'll be against Chelsea for 90 minutes. But for me, as soon as Aubameyang comes back, I, I'd, I'd be very surprised to see Lacazette starting still. And it, well, I certainly wouldn't want him to be starting still. No, and I think there's a good shout for that. I mean, funny enough, I'm a big fan of him, but I think when we're trying to shoehorn him and Aubameyang in the side, now we've got such a good option on the left with Martinelli. I also think that he may be the one to miss out because he has done that under under Emery. You know, he didn't play for large periods, but at the moment, I just think we're we're finding him as the focal point for our criticism. And yet, yesterday he set up you know two decent chances uh, and worked his nuts off and held the ball up well. Uh, and yet he's still the the, um, the the target for most of our supporters. Uh, Liam? I've not really got much ad, uh, to add to it. I think we've done him to death, haven't we, at this point? Uh, yeah, let me move on to the next one. Um, hack on Larson. Uh, this was a very frustrating game because I don't think we did the things Arteta made us do in the first few games at work. It was too much space between us, not aggressive enough and couldn't keep the ball and pinned it long on the wing too much not a step forward this game. No, very much a, it was very much an Emery type performance. I thought, you know, it was uh, played a lot of indecisive stuff along the back four, played out from the back with a lot of indecision, looked nervous, um, big gaps between our forwards and everybody else. It, uh, it, it was, it was a fairly, you know, ordinary performance. Yeah, I, I think it was our worst under Arteta. Um, obviously the first half against Leeds was, was worse than anything yesterday, but, and the second half against Leeds was quite good. I think for the whole 90, it was worse. And 
it's funny because you'd still say we probably dominated the game for well, dominated is a bit strong but we controlled the game for 60 70 minutes i think even wilder in his interview after the game basically said the first 10 and the last 10 were theirs and they done nothing in between and so they said oh was it they said that something along the lines of was it a fair result because you had the first 10 and last 10 and you kind of went, oh, not really. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it makes it even more disappointing, more frustrating, doesn't it? Because we, we controlled a game against a team that had one of their worst performances according to their manager and we still couldn't win at home. Yeah. Um, hack on Larson again. Lack of goals and assists from our midfielders are worrying. Should a defensive or an offensive midfielder be prioritised? I know we need a centre-back or two, but this is a question on the midfield only. I so I'm gonna take this first. I, I say we had Aaron Ramsey now, which is the, the the type of player where everyone's crying out for. Under this system, where did he get in? Did, did you play him as a ten? Where we pretty much all agreed when he was there, no one really wanted him as a ten. I, I don't know. I agree. We need someone that's gonna add numbers at the top end of the pitch, and we've all been saying this pretty much all season. So that's we're not trying to reinvent the wheel. I, I struggle to see where they're going to fit in the team. Yeah, it's finding that player as well is the key. I, I mean, I tend to agree with the I, I, with the question. I, I really do think that, and where we're going to find him, I don't know. But we are missing a, a star center. You know, we are missing Mesut Özil. We want somebody as you know him at his best. We need a Santi Cazorla. We need a Liam Brady to grab one for the kids. You know, we need a superstar in the middle of the pitch. We really do. I think, uh, you know, Torreira, good defensive midfielder, Xhaka, steady Premier League player, but none of them are setting the world alight. Uh, you know, the good player's good, but but that's where I think we're missing. We, we need someone who's, you know, Cesc Fabregas at his best. That sort of person in that centre midfield who can who can dictate the play. And we haven't got that one. We've got too many players who just, you know, Ozil goes missing for long periods. Um, Jack is very robotic, Torreira is a terrier, but we're missing that real brilliant uh, player. I think we're we're really one player short, and uh, where we can find him, there's a lot of talk of Grealish player like that. Maybe he he would be the one. Yeah, I I completely agree with the question and you. I I just still struggle to see unless if it is like a Grealish or a Madison. Okay, they're going at ten, no problem there. But if you're looking at the, the Ramsey type of player, which seems to be the type of player people are calling out for that gets goals, assists, can do a bit of everything, then I think you don't drop Torreira because he's a defensive midfielder. Xhaka's kind of made himself undroppable. He sits in deep. He, his pass completion is very high, but not only safe passes, he plays the difficult passes, the quick switches. So I just kind of think, as I said, if we had Aaron Ramsey now, I don't know how you fit him in the team. I think and you'd I think take that, out Urza, wouldn't you? I mean, uh, you but wanna... then, as I said, then... Okay, if you go to a flat three midfield, then I have no problem with it. Yeah, yeah. Try and go four two one three or four two three one, whatever way you look at it. And so we all moaned for years about Ramsey trying to be a ten because he kept him the ball away. Okay, he got his goals, but we still moaned about it. And that's what I'm saying. If it's that Ramsey type player, I said if it's a Madison or a Grealish, okay, no problem. They go in in Ozil's position. But if you're looking at, at someone in the Ramsey mould, I, I, I don't. You'd have to change the way we're playing. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I don't see that Ramsey, a, a Ramsey type player, would would fit into that side. Any anything to add, Liam? No, I think we've been linked with this uh, Bruno Guimaraes guy. I've probably messed up his name very badly uh, from Brazil. I think he would probably switch for Xhaka, um, judging by the YouTube clips that I've seen, which is my scouting report. 
Um, but yeah, otherwise, I, I just don't know who you replace in the side because Ozil gives you a level of control going forwards. You lose him, you lose that control. Uh, like I say, Torreira, he, he breaks up play, so you can't drop Torreira. And it's very difficult to drop Xhaka at the same time. So unless you change formation, then I don't see how you move anybody else into the side. Yeah, for me, it's crazy because I think the the way to get more goals from midfield is actually go to a less attacking formation. Yeah. You'd say if you take Ozil out and go a flat three in midfield, on paper, that's a, a less attacking formation. But I think it would free someone up to make the late runs. I think that's the only way that Willock's ever going to flourish at Arsenal, if he ever does, is by going in a flat three. But then can you drop Ozil for Willock? And, and for me, probably not, well, no, is, is my answer. I think it's a really difficult one. Because yeah. unless we can find that player that is good enough, so an improved Willock, then it's, it's a really hard one to, to sort out. And as I said, an improved Willock, I don't know what name you're putting on it. No, and it's funny when you think of the players that we've sold or put out on loan, Mkhitaryan and Iwobi, were sort of, you know, we're, they weren't quite good enough for us, you know. And we're, But I, I tend to agree with you, Tony. This is what I'm saying about dropping. We're, we're, we're trying to force... Um, whether it's Obama Yang, Lacazette, Martinelli, you know, we're trying to create, get all these attacking players in, but maybe that's where we need to drop back a little bit, change our formation to get somebody who can run from midfield or can run the midfield, you know. And but it's finding that player. That's it's very easy to say this from here, uh, and you know, let's hope we do find a Brazilian who's world class because that's what we're missing. We're missing that. You know, a Henderson for Liverpool. You know, a real world class. If you go back through all of our history, a Vieira, easy, easy to say, very hard to find. You know, your, your, your dog's a fan of Vieira, I take it, and, and and that's the problem. We are missing that superstar, and we we just haven't got one in that side. I don't think. Yeah, dare, I, dare I say it? A first year Jack. Yeah, yeah, Jack. Well, Jack Sesk. These are the players that I was thinking. Jack Sesk. Grealish reminds me of a a fit Jack Wilshere and a a little bit of Sesk in him. You know, players that can do everything. You know, just naturally talented footballers. Uh, hack on Larson again, and I know he has strong views on this. Uh, one of the problems with Lacquer is that he pulls players towards him and crowds the space. Ozil should receive the ball. When that happens, Ozil is pulled even deeper and more out wide than usual. Not trying to kill Lacquer, but he fucks the whole system. You see it uh, sort of the same way. Uh, yeah, for me, it's, it's what I touched on earlier. He, he takes away the 10 space. And then if Ozil does get the ball central, his only passes are wide. And then the wingers have to do way too much to score. Um, I know we've done Lacazette to death. So do either of you have, have anything to add on that? I'd just like Hakon to look at the goal that we scored yesterday. Wasn't it Lacazette to Ozil to Saka to Martinelli goal? Uh, missed uh, Ozil up, Can we? When Hacken's finished looking at that, have a look at the um, the goal we scored last week against Crystal Palace. Lacazette through to a Babian goal. <sighs> for, for me, the, the, the point would be that he's doing things in 10 spaces, which forces who some people would argue is the best 10 in the world out of a 10 position. And if that's what he's going to add to the game, then you just play a 10 and get someone else to do the job he's supposed to be doing. That's where I would stand on it. Um, again, Hakon, it's a continuation. Uh, and he can't fucking score. <laughs> Better to play Martinelli already up top. Won't miss the goals anyway. Then we are more of a threat and can push the opponent back and deeper. 
Come on, and look, I'm, I, I hope Eddie's going to be a superstar in the future. It reminds me a little, of Ian, a little of Ian Wright in his personality and his style. Yesterday, I didn't mention it, I thought he came on, run about, run his legs off for 15 minutes, but he looked like a, a an out-of-touch, out-of-form junior player who was playing in the first team. You know, his control was poor, his uh, vision was poor, he ran about like a headless chicken, and you're telling me to put him in instead of Lacazette, that's just nonsense. Maybe in the future, but at the moment, it's nonsense. I said I wouldn't, wouldn't bring him in for now as much as I think Lacazette's a problem. I, I don't think Eddie's the answer. Uh, again, Liam, anything to add or done it to death? No, I've got really nothing more to say on Lacazette, if I'm honest. Yeah. Uh, hack on again. Uh, we should not be a team defending, depending on the refs to win, but I feel we get fucked every week by VAR and refs. The consistency in the, and some of the decisions is just ridiculous and a huge factor when we play. We must do better, of course, but the refs could get away with fucking murder. I mean, uh, we touched on this. Yeah, I... It's just scandalous. Go on. Go on, Liam. No, I was going to say, Hakon, I think, hit the absolute nail on the head. Um, in the sense that, yes, we are getting... It feels like we're getting screwed over every single week. Because I think, honestly, the penalty was more obvious than Zidane's head. But I think I mentioned in the group chat... Well, I'm slightly exaggerating, but all the same. But we do have to do better to win. We shouldn't be coming out of games going, well, if we'd have got that penalty, we'd have scored, we'd have won the game 2-1. Well, should we be looking at ourselves and going, well, why are we in a position where it, without, we're relying on refereeing decisions? Uh, I'm, I'm somewhere in between. Of course, we, we should play better. That's, that's I think that's obvious. But... I think it's. I hate when people say like, "Oh, you shouldn't be relying on referees' decisions." When it's something so obvious, that's that's just relying on the ref to do his job. It's like when teams used to kick us off the park. We didn't like the Invincibles when they lost United. We didn't say, "Oh, they need to play better." You say oh, the needs the ref needs to play to the rules. And again, I agree, we need to play better. But when it's something is as obvious as that, I don't think you say, "Oh, we shouldn't be relying on decisions like that." We absolutely should be relying on decisions like that because when that happens, a penalty should be given every time. It shouldn't need VAR. And then when it goes to VAR, it should be given. So I don't see that as relying on a bit of luck from the ref. I see that as one of the most obvious fouls you're ever going to see being given as a foul. But yeah, that doesn't take away from we should be doing better. And as well, like obviously you've just said, oh, and we win that game 2-1, but momentum changes games. If that gets, like any game, if the difference between 1-0 in the 80th minute, I mean 1-0 in the 80th minute and 2-0 in the 80th minute is, is massive. So I don't even see it as that game goes... Like they score and then it's two one. The game completely changes. Look, there's, there's no saying that it doesn't change in their favour. Like we miss the penalty and then they get ahead of steam and they go and win two one. But I don't think you can just go, oh, that would have made it two nil and then they score. It's two one. Yeah, I mean... no, that's true. I think it's possibly just a byproduct um, of the the performance. If we had played well, we would be rightly saying we've been screwed over by VAR. I think it's more a byproduct than anything. I mean, VAR, just the way it's been implemented in our country, is not working. I mean, there's there's nothing wrong with a, a video assistant referee uh, if the decisions are right. But all we're talking about, I mean, I've just watched Match of the Day this morning. There's more talk of VAR than anything else. They got this one right, they got this one wrong, they got this one right. What's the difference between us saying the referee got this one right, the this one wrong, the this one right? There's no difference. The way it's being implemented at the moment is just wrong. And I think everyone's aware of that. Uh, and, you know, yesterday's decision, um, we get a penalty, we score it, we're 2-0 up. Um, Sheffield weren't playing well, their heads would have gone down. I think we would have gone on to win the game. 
uh, it's just just not working you know I'm, I'm very passionate about it. I don't like it never liked it never want it in don't see the need for it but if we're going to have it it's got to be used better than it is at the moment it just has to be any more I questions agree. I, mean, cool. I was just going to say the only, the only thing I'd add on that is yesterday we got the same decision without VAR and it didn't take long as we've kind of touched on so it's, it's shit look I, I don't see VAR in that situation VAR as a concept isn't the issue you've got horrendous people making the decisions like i think it was atkinson in the in the in stockley park he's just made a horrendous decision i don't think you can overly blame var the technology showed him what needs to show and he's made a, a, a horrible decision we often see rest banned if they they make bad decisions i don't know what the protocol is for, for banning someone from var because they can't seriously look at that and say oh you've done your job I don't know if that exists, if they're now not allowed. Do you know what I mean? I don't know if there is yeah. anything in place for that. Isn't the, the same, I mean, You know, yeah. I mean, we, 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 it, it's the same. This is my big issue with VAR, is their subjective decisions. Now, me, the three of us watched that yesterday and thought it was a penalty. I don't think, you know, there's many of us. I think in the BBC studio, both Ian Wright and Alan Shearer were the pundits and they both said it was a penalty. Watched Arsenal.com this morning and one of them thought it was and one of them thought it wasn't the referee and the guy in Stockbridge Park Stockley Park both thought it wasn't a penalty you know these are subjective decisions and I think when you get subjective decisions go to us you know a, a, a second opinion then I'm not sure it really helps I would much rather in that case yesterday that the, the, each team has one appeal and they could appeal to Mike Dean to go and have a look at it on his monitor. You know, not every time you don't want to stop the game, but if, if in, in, in what we saw there we thought was a clear um, error, then the captain of Arsenal goes up to um, the referee and says, I'd like to use my appeal, please go and look at that again. And then if he goes and looks at it again, it's a subjective decision um, and he changes his mind, great. If he doesn't change his mind, great. But at least it's the referee and at least it's his opinion. Now we're just getting you know a, a, a nonsense situation in football. Yeah, I mean, it was my argument last week that it's not VAR, it's VR, it's video referee. The guy on the pitch is the assistant because they're taking whatever the guy says. I complete. I, I don't agree with the review system, and I know we spoke about this before. What I do, I do think the ref should be going and using the monitors for for everything, really. Unless this, unless the the VR system that it's so clear they don't waste anyone's time, either for or against the, whatever the decision is. But like, so say the uh, the handball in the Bournemouth game. I don't know if you've seen it, where the defender makes probably the save of the season. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, you don't waste your time and go and look at the screen for that. It's a penalty and red card. But I think for for anything where VAR's getting involved, where it's not abundantly clear, you you leave it in the referee's hands. So the same guy is making the decision. I, I think we're using it horribly. And what I've just described is how it works in every other country and how it works in the World Cup. And no, it's not perfect, but it gets a lot less complaints elsewhere than it does here. Yeah, and the, the video assistant referee should just say, Mark, why don't you go and have another look at that? You know, because they yeah. think there might be an error. Uh, yeah. You know, that, that would be a way around it, but them making these decisions is just wrong. I mean, but, but then when do we go, you know, each time a goal score, does the referee then have to go and have a look at it all again to make sure he's seen well, everything? Well, again, for me, this is where the, the VAR, the assistant referee, looks through it while the celebrations are going on and says there's clearly no issue or there clearly is a massive issue, disallow it, or, or I think you might need to look at this. Yeah. And to be honest, I mean, to play a celebrate for so long now that half of the time, you'd, you'd hardly notice it. The check would go on in the background without you knowing. The way it is at the moment, the guy spends, it seems like 25 minutes looking at every goal for a reason to disallow it. Yeah. yeah. And it's like you score, like yesterday, because Saka and Martinelli 
they look like in the ground, not that they're offside, but there was a chance because Martinelli's in the six-yard box on his own. Saka's obviously sort of in behind. So we celebrate. They walk. They don't run back to the centre circle. They walk back to the centre circle. And the whole time, you, you don't really know if it was a goal or not until he blows the whistle and they kick off. It goes back to me saying, Tony, about celebrating a goal. It's, uh, it, it, it is that feeling now. And I don't care. I go to football pretty much every other week. And you celebrate, but there's the back of your mind, you're thinking... Well, is that a goal or not? You know, there's there's a there's a little bit of me that just doesn't like it at all. I, I massively disagreed with you on that at the start of the season, but I feel in maybe the last two or three weeks that that's come, that's become clearly obvious. I think early on in the season, people were full on celebrating, and if your goal got disallowed, you felt like a bit of a mug, but you had full on celebrated. And I think now the the celebrations in the crowd are are a bit more reserved. It's sort of like a 60% celebration just in case. Well, I think well, at yeah. the start, people were using that as an excuse, but I think it, like, I, I don't think it was there, but people were saying it. But I think recently that, that is happening. I can't deny it as someone who's, who's at the ga- at games. Good. Watching it on TV as well, just to add, I actually sat there and I think, oh yes, we've scored. And then sat there with my fingers crossed going, don't be offside, don't be offside, don't be offside. And I didn't mention anything in the group chat until, I, until they'd kicked off. And the score still had one nil on it on the TV screen. Yeah, I was like, about that when I'm watching games. I, 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 who is it? I think it might have been Tottenham Norwich, and we was there was a few of us sort of active on the group chat at the time. And Norwich got what we assume the second goal, and I was like, yes. And then it was obviously disallowed. And it's come to the point. I'm the same. I, I won't say anything about a goal, especially in the favour I want it to be in, um, in until the centre the kickoff is taken. And uh, it's the same on television. I watched the Newcastle-Chelsea game in the pub last night and when Newcastle scored that dramatic last-minute winner, um, the it stayed nil-nil on the screen for ages. They'd celebrated, they were in the corner. It was, it, you know, it was one of those, it's just incredible. And I just kept looking up at the corner of that screen and it kept saying nil-nil, nil-nil. And I'm thinking, well, of course, they're not putting it up now because they've got to wait. And it's back to that fabulous Chelsea have lost. Chelsea have lost. Have they? Have they? Have they? And it's it's just ruining football for me. But you know. yeah, I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago. I was driving to the Emirates while there was games on. So say we was the late kickoff. I think it was when we played United. And um, I, I looked at my phone sort of before I set off. I never listen to anything to do with football to when I'm going to games, just because I think I'm about to be in a pub and talk about football for hours and then watch a game. Um, but I looked at my phone before I left, and, and, and City were one 0 up against someone I got to the Emirates and it was nil-nil at the time yeah, yeah. so because, and I think uh, that was on BBC I checked and so I think media companies kind of half been stung by it so now, now as you said they're going the way of they're not putting it up till it's confirmed and it's just yeah, it's just fucking and as you alluded to in the question we have been on the wrong end of a lot of it this year it feels doesn't it feel yeah. like we've been on the end of a, a lot of poor decisions yeah it really does I mean the only one when you think of things that have gone in our favour the only one you can think of is the Abamyang at Old Trafford, and that, again, that that's, that for me comes down to one that shouldn't need <laughs> to go three yards on the side. Really. <laughs> exactly, that's what I mean. It's not that is just a, a, a terrible, terrible decision. Yeah, I, I can't think. Maybe I'm wrong, but I can't think of any other VAR thing that's gone in our favour. No. Um, remember that one? Do you remember that one that we got disallowed at home? I can't remember who we were Alex, playing. Properties against Palace. Was that when they they did chambers for a foul? I think for a push. Yeah. or something. Honestly, yeah. just nonsense, nonsense. Yeah, that was. I think they've admitted five mistakes so far, and and that was one. I think two of them concerned us, 
obviously negatively, as in they should have gone for us and they didn't. Um, and that was one of them. Yeah. I mean, again, but that's another thing that's farcical. Admitting you seeing what we've seen and only admitting to five mistakes is just ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, I'll crack on through the Texas schooner. Uh, use of VAR is about as consistent as the the fucking weather here in Central Texas. Um, I read that question. I don't know what the weather in Central Texas is. Should it be consistent? I just assumed it was always hot. So yeah, I, I thought that. that. Yeah. So is yeah. he saying that VAR's really good? No, I mean, I know he doesn't like it through speaking to him, so apparently <laughs> Texas is really turbulent on the weather, but yeah, he learns something every day. It was hot when I was there. Yeah. Um, thoughts on the position, positional development of Xhaka? Looks to be more or less on the left side of a back three. I touched on it briefly earlier. It, it, I wouldn't say he was. I'd say he was from goal kicks. Well, not even. I'd say he was the left side of a back two from goal kicks, and Louise went into sort of defensive midfield is it because we've got two predominantly right-footed centre-backs there um you know with Mustafi and and Louise so they're just trying to balance it to put a left-footed player there I mean I'm not saying that's that's the reason or that's right but that's the only thing I can see is that they want to balance it so they're putting a a right footer and a left footer to to receive the ball that is what I said to the guy next to me when they started doing it and again I'm with you I don't know if I'm right but that's the because I think Louise tends to play the diagonal sort of down the line and spins it in behind, whereas Xhaka is probably better at going both ways. Yeah. So it just gives you more options. But again, that might not be right. But that was the only logic I could see. But yeah, it does seem and look strange. Mm. I think the other thing as well, just to add to it, yeah, um, is it also allows Saka to bomb so far up high down the pitch and act as that winger. And that allows Martinelli or Aubameyang when he's playing to come a bit more central, come into the box and, and get the chances that he has been recently. I think that's the other reason for it. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know if we'll see more of it. We haven't seen it in, in other weeks. We, not from goal kicks. We've seen it in open play. But I think yesterday was the first time we'd seen it so obvious um, from when we had control of the ball. Uh, Texas Gunnar, Mike Dean is a thunder cunt. Um, I think that's probably the nicest thing anyone's ever said about him. Um, Ikadi Zoltan, not come across that name before. Uh, for sudden, just fuck VAR. It is so annoying. They're inconsistent, and of course, we're always at the wrong end of it again. Yeah. Well covered we, already, but yeah, good question. Uh, Romy, uh, Mustafi had a Mustafi moment early on, but did okay. He's better on the ball than Socrates. Do you trust him or are you already decided on him? Is Socrates are, and Louise our best pairing out of the, like, the best two out of the three? Liam? Um, no, honestly, I don't trust Mustafi at all. Because I think, Tony, you were saying it earlier, he plays well for 80, uh, 88 minutes of a game. But it just has that one moment and that costs you the game. It did against Chelsea, arguably. Um, and he's done it on so many other occasions where he... He does well. He he has these great defensive moments, but he la- he has so many lapses in concentration. You can't trust him for a full ninety. Yeah, for me, Louise and Socrates is comfortably the best pairing. Um, yeah, think- also as well, I think Mustafi's passing is a lot more adventurous, and I don't think you you don't need. I've been saying this for years, even when people thought Mustafi was good, which there was a time that that happened. You don't need a, your centre-back to be an auxiliary number 10 and trying to thread through balls because chances are that most of the time they're not going to go where you want them to. Um, Socrates, for me, is a lot safer. And if there's something I want my defence to be, it's safe. 
Well, the last thing I expected this week for me and Tony to have a, a love-in where we agree with each other all week, but I'm saying I think those two, uh, Socrates and Louise, are our best two. I would like to see longer-term holding get his form back because uh, I think he's a he's got a bit of everything. Um, I was the one, Liam, who said I like watching Mustafi for 88 minutes because I do. He gives everything. But I do hate the fact that he thinks he's... Oh, can I use Beck and Bauer? That's probably too old a reference now. He thinks he's a... He's a, uh, he thinks he's David Louise. He thinks he can hit a 35, 40 yard ball. And he always, it never, it never works out. Never. So, uh, I do like watching him. I think he's, his heart's in the right place. He gives everything. He's actually not a bad defender, but he's got horrible mistakes and a horrible range of long, long range passing. So, uh, I don't think he's in our top two. Uh, you also don't really need his long range passing. Sorry. Uh, when you've got Louise who can do it for you as well. Well, I think in an ideal world, when you've got two players who can do that, that's brilliant. You know, if you've got two ball-playing centre-halves, fabulous. You know what I mean? There's talk of, there was talk of us this week about um, a bid for John Stones, whoever that's good. And I don't know, I haven't seen enough of him recently. He hardly gets a game at City. Um, didn't look very good yesterday when I watched him on match of the day. But if you've got two ball-playing centre-halves, great. You know, if you've got Declan Rice playing as a centre-back instead of cent- defensive midfield, and he can hit a 30- or 40-yard ball, great. But when you haven't got that skill, stop doing it. Stop. Yeah, that's it. I kind of, the, the thing, I think in a way we're being a bit harsh because he can do it at times and it's nowhere near enough. And I kind of wish he couldn't do it at all. Like, because then you don't try it. Yeah. Because Socrates can't play that pass. He doesn't ever try it. Because Mustafi will get it right one in five. He'll try it five times and lose it four. Oh, generous. So just, it, you know, you just wish someone was just completely shit at it so they wouldn't try it. Yeah. I think the problem is Tony, because when that when that ball goes wrong, that's when we're we've conceded so many goals from it. Because when that ball goes wrong, when you're trying to hit thread a ball forty yards through all those players, if it doesn't come off, suddenly we're, there's a counter attack against us. Because yeah, it's no, I completely agree. That's what I mean that's why I wish he was completely shit yeah. it, knew he couldn't do it, and just gave the ball five yards. Like you should do, if, like Socrates does, really. Yeah. Um, anyway, on to the next question. Uh, Nelson seems to be out for a while. On a scale of 1 to 10, how worried should we be about squad depth? Almost no bench for the games. I worried about this even with Nelson. Quite a few times this season, you've looked at the bench and we've had one or no Premier League goals on the bench. Um, most of the time, it's been Martinelli. who obviously got his second Premier League goal yesterday as the only goal scorer on the bench. It's a kid that was playing in the fourth division in Brazil up until June. Well, Luke's got a few, hasn't he? Not Premier League. Has he not, got no. Got a few. You've got a few in the FA Cup, a few in the Carabao Cup, a few in Europe, um, but none in the league. Same as obviously, I know he's out on loan now, but same as Smith Rowe has a few in other competitions. But oh, did Smith Rowe go out somewhere? I missed that. Is yeah, it, he, he played. He started Huddersfield yesterday. Apparently, done quite well. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I worried about our squad depth with Nelson, who again has no Premier League goals, um, and yeah, still where I mean, there's rumours that we're looking at four short-term loan or cheap signings. I assume at least one of them has to be in attacking positions because, as I said, you can't. It's just not good enough to look at a bench, and it's all well and good saying we've got two strikers on the pitch who are supposedly strong goal scorers and score a lot, but you can't look at a bench and go there is zero Premier League goals. I mean, yesterday would have been whatever Hector's got plus one from Eddie and one from Sabios. I think has he got a Premier League? No, I don't think he's got a Premier League goal. So again, the same thing. You look at that bench yesterday. Sorry, Liam. Oh, no, I was saying no, Sabayas hasn't got a goal yet. No, he got one in in Europe. So, again, you, you look at, you just need you need something stronger there where you've got more than, than one or 
even if it's a through a few they're from centre backs or or heck they're at fullback. Didn't you look at the start of the season though? Um, I, I mean, I've been watching Arsenal for a long time, and I thought going into this season, maybe our first eleven wasn't the best I've seen by by a stretch. But actually, from squad depth point of view, I thought we were pretty well covered. And you're talking about being covered where you've got two players for every position and you think we've got two fairly decent goalkeepers We, you know, in, in Bellerin, Maitland, I was maybe a little bit short at right back, but left back we had Monreal, we had uh, Kalazanac and um, and Tierney had just come in. We had five centre-halves, maybe they're not all the best, but there was depth there. You know, then you had just your, your midfielders, Torreira couldn't get in the side, there was, you know, players like El Neni and stuff at the start, you know, at the start of the season. Um, um, we got rid of a lot of those... Um, uh, Mkhitaryan, you know, Iwobi. When you looked at that, we got rid of a few because we had too many. And then up front, we've got Lacazette and Aubameyang and then we've got uh, um, we've got Nelson and, and Pepe on one side and we've got uh, Saka and Martinelli on the left-hand side. We're covered everywhere and yet we've been decimated at full-back and at centre-backs. Even at the start of the season, I worried about goals coming from the bench, but what I did expect was 60 goals between our front three. Yeah. Um, which obviously hasn't happened, which has made the lack of goal scoring on the bench seem even even worse than it is. As I said, if, you're, if your front three are scoring 60 goals between them, then you don't really care that you've only got one or two goals on the bench. The problem is they've got probably less than 20 between them or only just more than. And then you look at your bench and there's nothing there either. And you kind of think, well, how the fuck are we going to score? Yeah. Um, Romy again. If we sign Kazawa in the summer on a free and sell uh, Kolasinac, would you be happy with that? He would likely be a backup and push Tierney. Only downside is a five-year deal. I'm not as negative this as this on everyone else. I, I must admit I don't watch a lot of French football. Um, the few times, and it's not been recently, but the few times I've seen Kazawa play, I've seen him be very, very good. A lot of the, the two criticisms I've seen mainly about him recently is his injury record. And looking at it, there was one really bad one. And then the rest, there's not nothing really there. So uh, for me, that's not an issue. Um, and his defensive ability, which is always going to be a worry, but Arteta seems to be absolving the fullbacks, of this, or especially on the left back, whoever's been playing, by slotting Xhaka in at that side, kind of absolving them in a sense of of needing to defend. My my only concern would be the five year, but he is only 27. Um, I'm not as down on it as pretty much everyone else seems to be. But again, I don't watch him everything every week. So maybe I'm basing it on a player that was good two years ago and could be absolutely shit now. I don't know. Liam, any thoughts? I've got no idea who this player is, I'm afraid. Um, I'm not exactly sold on it. I'm not sure I dislike it. But it is the, the sense that if he's got a five-year deal, given that he's signing on a free, his wages will be sky high. Uh, and that's not really much for us fans to worry about, but it does give you a bit of cause for concern. And he hasn't exactly had ringing endorsements from uh, a lot of the French Twitter uh, fan base. I think even but then it's just just French just football like news. If you ask the PSG fans about Neymar, he wouldn't get ringing endorsements either. And I'd take him on a free as well. Okay, but, that puts it into perspective. Parisians are uh, notoriously hard to please. Just in general. I didn't know that, actually. If I'm honest, well, I wasn't it's, aware it's, of that. I mean, I've not seen him play. Yeah, it's a completely different sport, but they always say if you're going, if you're playing France at rugby, which is a sport they're, they're pretty good at in Paris, and you keep them quiet for 10 minutes, the crowd will go. Like, it's sort of like a known thing in, in rugby. It's also the scariest place I've ever visited as a football fan. They're not there anymore, but the Parc de France. 
was the scariest experience I've ever had in my years of watching football. When you come out of a metro station with, stupidly in my case, a three-metre union jack <laughs> trailed around my neck uh, and trailed out me, uh, beyond me, and then you come to the top of the stairs when you're in a crowd of 50 or 60 Arsenal fans coming up the stairs all singing to be faced with 50 people across the road all holding machetes. I have never shit myself so much in my life as they came running towards us. Fucking hell, I've never run so fast. <laughs> Horrible place. Don't, to self, don't go to France for football. Well, the part of France, it was just, honestly, I've never been so scared. We went the day before that game. We didn't have tickets and we, we managed to buy them off a tower and they were in the French end. And we took them to, we got to the stadium. It was the day before the game and we took them to the box office and just said, look, we bought these. Uh, are, he, are we going to be okay to stand there? And the bloke, I remember he had broken English, but he said, no, you will die. <laughs> so he, and he changed them for Arsenal tickets for us, which was a result. <laughs> but yes, yeah, scary, scary, scary place. That was also the day I remember, and I might be wrong, it just, you know, it's one of these sort of um, self-fulfilling prophecies, but I, I remember that was the first time we sung 1-0 to the Arsenal. Um, but half-time, the Pet Shop Boys were played, and we were 1-0 up, and we started singing it. And that's the first time I can ever remember it being sung. So just just enough, just just a bit of my football past, as you'll <laughs> find out when Tez does his Guna Taguna with me three months ago. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to think that doesn't exist. Yeah. Uh, I'll get on to the last question because I know Liam's probably itching to get away. Oh, yeah, yeah, we're getting late. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, last question. Yeah. I was always not solely the reason we drew, but will Arsenal ever get where we want to be with him? He he never looks to score, and we need goals from we need goals from midfield. Or are we lacking elsewhere? I think we've kind of covered most of that um, in more detail than I expected to. So I don't think we really need to answer it unless either of you have got anything to add. No, I think we've mentioned those. Are we, uh, I think we're all fairly agreed. You know, he's just a little disappointing. Can be great, but just for me, consistently disappointing. I want him to be good. I want him to be Yeah, he just seems to be... Yeah, in the same boat. He seems to be allergic to shooting at the moment for whatever... I think I saw a stat, actually... Was it? He's only taken six shots all season so well, far. No, his last shot on target was against Norwich, which I think was December the second. It was the first weekend, December, first weekend in December. I'm not sure on the exact day. So that's uh, the end of the question, Tony. Is it? Yep. That's all right, all brilliant. Got a very short. We got um, we got Chelsea Tuesday night. Not much you can do with that side, is it? Refresh it, put them all to bed, wrap them up in cotton wool, and stick out a very similar side, I guess. Uh, anything we can change? Same again for me. Uh, unless Socrates is back. Yeah, I mean, if it is just illness, maybe he'll be right for Tuesday, I think we're playing, isn't he? Yeah. Um, uh, but everything else, I think, pretty much stays the same. Um, nobody picked up any injuries, I don't think. Uh, and then we've got uh, the FA Cup next weekend against a, a Bournemouth side who... Oh, yeah, Monday night we're playing up with who I'm sure we'll put out a, a, a huge reserve side because um, they really need some points in the league. And I think their next two um, league fixtures uh, are, are sort of, from their point, winnable games. They're six pointers against teams in the bottom six. Uh, so hopefully we'll get through that. And then we've got a little... Have we got our winter break the following week, Tony? Or are we... Burnley. Burnley on the Sunday after. Uh, so we've got Bournemouth Monday, Burnley Sunday, and then we've got two weeks off. Well, a day under two weeks. Okay. Well, unless you've got anything else to mention, lads, anything that we've missed today? No. No. 
No, okay. Well, in which case, just uh, like to thank all you for listening to this, to downloading it, um, let your friends know about it. Uh, hopefully, we haven't. We've, it's been fairly even, fairly unbiased today. I've, hopefully, I've, <laughs> yeah, I've, I've balanced out a bit of the lacazette for you. <laughs> uh, thanks for joining us, Tony. Especially Tony. after only two hours sleep. Well done, mate. Ah, it's fine. Fight through the day now and crash at about nine. Yeah, Liam. Cheers, mate. Thank you very much for having me back. And uh, we will speak to you all next week.